I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots.
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots. Welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed with me, Jessica Michelle Singleton. I'm a comedian and I'm an idiot. I am dumb and I know nothing. And that's why we're here, because we are all idiots sometimes. Uh, And that's okay. We're learning. We're growing. We're getting better. We're finding ways to laugh about it. And this week is no different, is no exception to all of those things. My guest this week is the incredible David Ferrugio, who you might know from the Dead Talks podcast. If you don't, get in those show notes. Highly, highly recommend it uh, for anyone who, anyone, honestly, but especially if you have dealt with your own grief, it's very cathartic to hear other people share their stories and experiences. Or if you're just one of those people who has a weird fascination with death, it is right up your alley, I assure you. He's an incredible host, a really just fun guy, a really fun guy. It's all about death. Uh, But no, he's easy to talk to and listen. Did I go too far on some of the jokes I made here? I don't think so. But if you don't know how to handle people laughing at really dark shit, maybe you'll think so. And that's on you. Honestly, stop being a pussy. I don't know what to tell you. Listen, I'm not even going to say anything further. Just know that, boy, did I probably cross a line a couple times. But it worked out. Sometimes you take a risk and make a really dark joke and the person receives it well and all is well. Uh, So anyways, if you do enjoy laughing at the worst things ever, prepare for that, I guess. Uh, And enjoy this conversation. It was a great look at his personal experience with loss, grief, what led him to his podcast, how that has helped him with his grieving process and just his overall look on death and loss. And I think that's really interesting. I think that's so interesting, in fact, that I almost started an offshoot podcast after my dad passed away about death, which I'm pretty sure is how somebody told me about his podcast. And somehow we became connected because of that. Uh, I'm on an episode of his podcast that's linked in the YouTube episode of this, which uh, is available. If you want to watch it, you want to see his face, uh, there was a technical difficulty uh, a couple times throughout so some some of the times you get to see frozenness and weird transitions but um yeah episodes go up on youtube and i don't want to take too too much longer because i just want to get into the episode but i'm gonna say this because i know this is dropping on thursday oh my god it's wednesday i thought it was thursday already either way it's dropping not at midnight on wednesday and listen right now my insurance is in flux i don't know if anyone else is going through this where Something was wrong with their income input from uh, whatever previous year. I don't know. I know more than one person whose insurance just flipped upside down and fucked them. So I am completely uninsured. And boy, do you really take for granted how helpful ADHD meds are when you have them. So I'm flying blind here, guys. So I'd love to tell you that we're going to be on back, back on track soon. But the reality is I've spoken to Medi-Cal, which... I was accidentally put on instead of covered California like five times. And 
every time I speak to them, they're like, all right, I see that your stuff's in the system. I've, I've added a note to make it urgent. And so, you know, call back next week and you can follow up on it. And, and it's just, just ongoing hell. I may never get insurance. I may die. And that has nothing to do with insurance. It's just the reality I have to face is that as a human, I almost certainly one day might pass away. Maybe. But, you know, who knows what the future holds. <sighs> I'm kidding. If people start, like, converting to robots to stay alive, I'm not. Good riddance. Good God. God bless you. I'm, I'm turning into the earth. <sighs> Which is a terrible way to start an episode talking about someone's loss and death. But you see what's going on here with my brain. So listen, it's probably not ever going to get better in terms of uh, timing and organization. And I think at this point, if you've been listening, you know that. You already are aware of that. I'm the one who won't let go of this false ideal of that I'm one day going to be super organized and everything's going to come out on a perfectly balanced schedule. That's not what anyone is tuning into me for. No one's coming here for my rigid rigidity in timing. Words are hard. Listen, enough from me. Uh, really quick, though, if you haven't checked out my show schedule, jmscomedy.com, I want you to come to shows. I'm going to be having so much fun on the road. I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow for goddamn fucking Milwaukee, which don't take that the wrong way, Milwaukee. I'm excited for the shows, not excited for that weather. Was I've started making an itinerary of all the things I'm going to see. I posted in the Reddit group to like get suggestions. And then I looked at the temperature and I was like, am I going to be a good tourist? I'm going to try. I'm trying to experience these places more. I'm trying to really take advantage of the fact that like I am so blessed to have a career where I get to go to different cities, meet different people. So I'm really trying to put myself out there. And that's like a big theme overall for the years. I'm trying to do things that kind of scare me. You know, I'm never jumping out of a plane or anything like that, but things that make me nervous, things that get me out of my comfort zone so I can grow. You know, I've been trying to do that with this podcast for so long, but it's like, okay, let's get some other life experiences that help move that along. So if you're in Milwaukee, I will see you at the Laughing Tap Friday and Saturday, January 19th and 20th. Get your tickets. It's a small room. They are selling fast. And it's, you know, uh, it's a hot club. So get them while they're there. All right. Enough about me. Please enjoy my episode with the incredible host of Dead Talks podcast, David Ferruccio. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point... In your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. All right, well, we're rolling. Hey, idiots, welcome back to the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. I'm here with host of Dead Talks podcast, David Ferrugio. Did I say that right? I was Maybe. waiting for that. I was wait, I was I was like, should I interrupt? I was like, no, let's see. Let's see Ferrugio. It flows, it, flows, it flows well. It flows Do like 9-11. flows like 9-11, yeah. which we were heavily talking about and we will continue to talk about throughout this episode because he thinks it's a hoax. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fucked up. His dad died in 9-11, you guys, and that's not how I should deliver that news. Hi. Uh, I mean, it was better than it was delivered to me, I guess. <laughs> so don't feel too bad. Oh, my God. Okay, so wait, I'm going to open with a question 
that shouldn't be this early in the podcast, but I want, I want to have a consensus on this. I want your opinion too, Elliot, behind the camera. As Americans, we have like a limited lens on how other people, what news they receive. And maybe you have more insight because you're close to the tragedy. Mm. Is 9-11 considered an international tragedy? Yes. Like, not that it, not that anyone consider it not a tragedy. Do people know about it? Like <laughs> I mean, do people? That's that's what I mean. It's not. I'm not going. Are some people still? Did they love it? No. But like, I feel like the people that don't know about it were born on 2001. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To anyone after that is just like oh, it's a thing I heard of. It is weird to think about distance of. It's pretty international. I think it goes like Michael Jordan, 9/11. Like I think the world knows. Yeah. Okay. That's. Good. It's good to put those things together. Cut, cut to the Michael Jordan meme crying <laughs> about 9-11. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just one of those where I'm like, God, America has is such a... I feel like we are out of the loop so often on international shit. I don't know about that. I think... I don't think our, it's like a, our public school systems, I, not us. I think like we're usually in the loop because we're like creating well, we the loop. we create a loop, yeah. yeah. I just figure it's like how many... You are we, the loop. We're in a loop. It's, we are the loop. Oh my god, we are the loop. <laughs> We're both on acid, and we just like the rest of the <laughs> podcast is us just staring into the camera. Yeah, that uh, like Claritin you gave me was actually LSD. Oh shit, it might have been. Yeah, that's I, okay. So this, I, at least it's not drowsy. That's how I travel with them. <laughs> so I travel with my acid. I make it look like allergy pills. I have a very allergy appearance. People are like, these are for sure an allergy appearance. Jewy. What are you? Uh, <laughs> They're like, she sneezes. I was She's, like, puffy. What does they that just, mean? TSA hears me come, and I go, which one, which line do I go into? And they're like, all right, don't check the allergy pills. They're definitely allergy pills. Um, so why are we here? <laughs> we're, here. <laughs> we're here for me to uh, talk to you about these allergy pills. I start <laughs> selling you allergy pills. Okay, you have a podcast that's about death. Mm-hmm. And I assume... <laughs> Was I supposed to go from there? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Uh, no. <laughs> um, did you... Well, let's back up because I've just really came in hot and crazy. Frankly, you how you lost your dad in nine eleven. Correct. Was uh, is it inappropriate to get into logistics? Was he in well, a like, building or in a plane? Oh, they were like how the terrorists accomplished their mission. Yeah, I don't really know what happened. <laughs> okay, for those who might not know what nine eleven is, can we start? <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not going to go that. If you don't know that, sometimes I do go that basic with guests. But who's they? It just like. Oh, okay. Like literally, okay. Well, like September sometimes 11th. I'll go. Well, what is Christianity or what? But I guess if you don't know what nine eleven is at this point, you're probably not oh, gonna be interested in this episode. Yeah, you're gonna skip it. You don't have to explain. Thanks. And frankly, if you're like really, man, I hope no one's like, oh yeah, nine eleven. Well, uh, <laughs> I love how you went. You start off hot with a hoax, and now you want me to explain the logistics of nine eleven. So <laughs> you guys, he doesn't. Think, I mean, no one. It's not okay. I made it weird. I, you mean you meant like my what? day? You're like. I, you don't have to walk through the whole day. I don't want to like fully trigger you. I just you trigger me. I really just was like, was he in a plane or was he in the building? He was in the building. Why am I laughing? It's because it's so uncomfortable and I feel so bad. Where did he work? He worked uh, the 105th floor of World Trade Center one. So the first building that was hit and the second one that went down, he was on the 105th floor. So he went down with the building. Oh wow. So they say. Well, what company did he work for? Cantor Fitzgerald. And from my understanding, if I mean. I'm pretty sure Cantor Fitzgerald was the company that lost the most people. Not that that means anything. I mean, it didn't come with a medal. Oh, but there a competition? <laughs> I mean, well, it makes sense because Cantor Fitzgerald, I'm pretty sure, had, I don't know if it was just the 105th floor they or a couple like a floors, but they were, on, they were so high up. It's like they that, were, it was a bad situation. That's like a finance 
something. <laughs> where, where are you going with what that? Are, what is Cantor Fitzgerald? Uh, it's, a, it's a brokerage. Let me ask the least important question yeah. of all of this. <laughs> I mean, there's still Cantor Fitzgerald is still around. I mean, my, my dad was a stockbroker. Okay. I just want to paint a picture. Paint it. Or how, I should paint it. Yeah. Well, um, how old were you? I was 12 years old at the time, so I was in seventh grade. Seventh grade. Seventh grade. I'm going to ask a question that might be stupid because my timeline of 9-11 is skewed because I lived in Alaska. So I was getting news at like a weird hour. Were you already in school? So so the September 11th attacks happened, I believe, the first plane hit my dad's building around like 840-something. I think I want to say 846. Okay. So I was already in school when this happened, and then when – the, the timeline quickly goes was I was in first period. My buddy Jeff rolled up late as he always was. And I guess it might've been like nine twenty or whatever it was enough time for him to see the footage on the news and then make it to first period. And then he knew my dad lived, lived, worked in the towers. And he was like, Hey, does your dad work in the world trade center? I'm like, yeah, why? He said there was a plane that flew into the building. And at that point it was just a wild ass statement. So you're like Jeff. Yeah. No, I didn't even, comp- I thought he was just like walking in stone and I, mixed sitcoms and he just told me yeah that that happened i was like trying to compute it didn't i was like what and i tried getting to the office to make a phone call and the school didn't let me make a phone call so pretty so long story long i had to i went through the whole school day not knowing what was happening my mom and my family made the choice to leave me in school which you know what are they going to pull me into the chaos of not you know it was still happening so she just like they left me in school let me they didn't let you call anyone which is weird but also i Middletown, where I'm, I'm raised, a big commuter town, so like a high majority go to the city to work. So I had other people getting called down. So I think there were other families that were correlated to the attacks and a family in the city. So I think just a lot was happening. And by allowing me to pick up the phone, who knows if I would have back to school and told everybody. You know, it was just a lot. They didn't know what to like, do. We don't want kids misconstruing the story or like scaring other kids. Or You don't know. We, well, don't, we don't know why. It's I don't know. Yeah, that's what happened. That's just, just what like, happened. deal with it. Yeah, literally. Like, All right. And so I was speculating the whole day. I didn't know. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know it was serious. And then I had to go home after school, walk to my best friend James. And as we're, I remember going around the bend to where I could finally see my house, there were a bunch of cars outside. And that's where I first knew. All right, this you know it's Something three o'clock in the afternoon. Happened. Yeah, but the why I mentioned this prior in you know other episodes and blah blah blah. The weird part was looking back at it. A lot of my processing had happened down the road, growing up, becoming older, understanding myself, and all that bullshit. Yeah. It was just it was just bizarre, weird thought thinking that when by the time I got home it was all done. Both towers were already down were already down. My dad was already essentially gone and I was seeing the aftermath. It was hours after when dad I forget the timeline of when the buildings actually collapsed. But by the time I got home, forced myself to the T V and my family was trying to restrain me. I saw the towers and the replays happen for the first time and oh see it go down. I remember breaking down for the first time. And then from there kinda like I feel like a lot went black. Like I don't remember the rest of the like day. Shock and I guess my body was like, no trauma escape. Yeah, you just dissociated. Yeah, except before that, like, what was my my biggest fear was probably getting my ass beat in school. So like, from getting into a fight to my seeing my seeing my dad's workplace just collapse was my body just kind of shut down. Damn. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Is that logistical for you? Yeah, I just sorry. I don't why why did I ask you that? Oh my god, I am a psychopath. No, you were you worded it in just a very bizarre way. You look up and I'm like. What are the logistics of 9-11? I, no, I just, I didn't know that. I couldn't think of the word. I think I have early onset dementia. I'm losing a lot of words lately. Very early. I don't think early is enough of an adjective for that. <laughs> no, d- d- dementia is a scare. Cause you, you think I'm young. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I heard. So I don't know if that answered your question. Um, Middle school. That's pretty. Yeah, seventh grade. 
Man. There's so many other people. I'm like, you know, there's plenty of other people younger than me, older than me. Were so. there a lot of people in your school who? Um, not in my school. I think people were affected, but off the rip, I've had like a very close connection like that. Um, I know people that are my age in different schools and people that I learned in high school that are in the same town. So I wasn't the only one. Plenty of people in my town lost people. Yeah. But in regards to my school, I'm having a hard time remembering who else that day was super affected within well, my school. Of course, school. it's not like. You that was my first question. Meet in the hall and go. Does anyone else have a parent in the tower? Is it may or may not have been hit by Brett? Like you didn't. Oh. Yeah. Man, middle school is so hard too. I know enough, and then I got to deal with that shit. Fuck. Were you close with your dad? Yeah. Yeah. That was another conversation I had recently. It was the idea of you know the dynamic of people that you know, especially in your case, you had you didn't have much of a relationship with your father, from what I recollect, right? Yeah. So there's that dynamic of losing your father or losing someone that you didn't have a relationship with and then what follows that and just the idea of processing losing someone that wasn't in your life and then me Versus. having a father that I had a really good relationship with who was a good dad in my eyes and then having that ripped away. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic compared to what you experienced and what I experienced. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like night and day because I oh, – we're not going to make it about me. Go listen to my episode on his podcast. But, yeah, no, it was like – I had a reaction that I was like, oh, I didn't think I would feel this many feelings because mm. uh, you're just like, eh. Yeah, but I, I think it's it's interesting because I feel like your your grief is almost grieving the loss of what you didn't have. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, that makes sense, but also I'm like, oh, should have been grieving that the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably was in a way, but. Yeah, probably. So. I don't, I mean, the, I, I want to ask you more, like, the, the reason I wanted to have you on is, like, about, like, just your relationship to death and why you kind of started exploring it more versus, I'm, I'm not just, like, the 9-11 guest who just... You're Pete Davidson me right now. Do you ever, what, what do you think about Pete Davidson? What do I think about him? I mean, yeah. Besides the fact that I don't know. Uh, Are you like, damn, I should have done that. Yeah, I was a little late to the game. Maybe just a lot less funny, I don't know. That's, man... No, I. I mean, he's. If, any, if if Pete listens to the show, I'm trying to have you on the podcast. But other than that, no, I don't know. He, he, his experience is different too. Once again, he, it's like all those different dynamics of. He was, I think, nine when it happened. So it's just once again, there's nothing to do with Pete. I was 12. twelve. So similar, right. but it's just it's just my point of that is just there's so many different dynamics. I've. Oh yeah, well yeah, your relationship, how you are at that age, the family dynamic. There's so many. There's so many layers to grief that don't like. I feel like usually the conversation is, uh, you lost someone and, and like it stops there. Which it's it's so much more beyond. There's there's the aftermath of again logistical stuff you got to deal with. There's the layers, the relationship. <laughs> Sorry, I said logistics. <laughs> That's gonna be the name of the episode. The logistics. The logistics of nine eleven. Just dot dot dot. No nine eleven. Just let them figure it out. <laughs> I, I, the layers of just grief that come with it. Like for me, example, it was. Uh, I, I had no, to stop it. Okay, the layers of grief. <laughs> I yeah. The well, it's like an onion. No, it, it's like really. It's the the layers are crazy in regards to like how might like you're. Your dynamics are about your family, your sisters, your relationship with your family at that time. There's like there's just so many layers to the idea, which makes it even more confusing as to why you feel certain ways because you might think I feel this because of that when it's really because of that. So like the question is, how do you figure out what your feelings are? And when it seems so obvious that's why oh, I lost someone, which is you know a big portion of it, but there's so many convoluted feelings that come with loss or any traumatic experience that sometimes it's hard to identify what's what. Yeah, and the experience of losing someone is it's so funny because. Yeah, I think it's easy to think that it, that there's some sort of universal similarity, which in a way I'm sure there there are some, you know, with grief. But everyone's experience is so different. 
Yeah, I think there's there's universal stuff in regards to like the basic emotions, but it's like you said, it's not universal because we all handle everything so differently. Yeah. But there are, I think there are like tools here and there that can apply to everyone, but not saying it's going to work for everyone. So. In terms of what, like handling their grief? Yeah, I think just processes because you know there's there's how there's grief experts, there's grief books, there's this or that, and it, it's a fine line because I think grief experts, you know. Yeah, they, well, I guess shut up. It's it's grief <laughs> grief. I just had a grief expert on my podcast that I dropped today. So and go listen. Yeah. The five <laughs> stages, and now there's seven stages. Uh, I mean, now there's no stages. I don't. It's just gonna it keeps changing. But <laughs> I think when people say grief expert, I like to think most people that are quote unquote grief experts have had grief in their life. So I've heard people say it's, I'm like a grief. Ex- like I, I have a podcast. I talk about grief. Yeah, and death. no, I was I'm just not a kidding. fucking no, no. Yeah, you don't have to, come on. I'm I not, think it's I'm, funny when I'm not a grief expert. expert. I'm like, I, boy. That's the thing. It's like a, gr- a grief expert. What does that mean? Like you just are knowledgeable about it. You're an expert to healing. What is that? Yeah, you're just. Are you an expert at grieving? Is that? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I, even if I have this podcast in the next thirty years, I'm never going to consider myself an expert. I was like, these are my thoughts. Death expert, David Ferrugio. Dexpert. Dexpert. Dexter. Dexter. It makes sense. What? It was him the whole time. <laughs> he, he, just start talking about Dexter. That's why the last season was shit. Uh, I don't know what year that happened, actually. I don't even. I have no clue. <laughs> anyway. Um. Anyway. Okay. So obviously that f- you're grieving when that happened. You're probably still grieving. I don't know. If, does grief does grief ever end? No. Uh. It changes. Yeah. I think it changes. It sticks with you. I mean, you're not, it just stays with you. Yeah, it does. But I don't know if that stays with you in the form of a memory or does that stay with you in a form of shit you got to work. I think it really depends on the person because I think some people work things out quicker. Some people feel like they got to a place of quote-unquote healing. It just depends because some people literally might carry it forever because they never worked that shit out, whatever that means. Damn. Yeah, that they just never let go. And I think that comes in the form sometimes you don't even know. It's just very subconscious. I mean, I, I, subconscious in general it controls most of everything that we do, and this is coming from not an expert in any fashion. But, I, th- you know, so we are run habitually by our subconscious functioning. Like, even our, our systems fu- function through our subconscious. Just, ha- just do it, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of our shit happens with that. And I feel like with trauma, some of that stuff just gets buried, and we don't even know we're doing things and why we're doing things, and it stems from maybe traumas in the, from traumas in the past. Oh, yeah, that you don't even know that the way you act is actually a reaction to, I don't yeah, know, triggers like, or... Like, am I fidgety in bed and annoying to my partner when I go to sleep because of 9-11? I don't know. Ooh, that's interesting. I sleep like I'm in a coffin. You don't move? It creeps people out. Wait, you just lay flat? On my back. And that's sometimes hell, that's I and sometimes I even do this with my arms. Intentionally? I don't know. I don't go, good night. <laughs> but, like, I'll realize, and I don't think I would have realized if no one had ever commented, you sleep very stiffly. It's like you're in a coffin. That's a good way to, apparently, that's a healthy way to sleep. Yeah, and you know what? As soon as I started saying that, I've started getting uncomfortable and being like, lately I've been rolling over to the side and shit. And I'm like, no, no, my one lose. thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, it it is interesting the things that like, well, in your own journey of healing, on that note, mm-hmm. have there been things that you realized or like ways you've acted that you realize are actually either because of grief or like, because I'll I'll just say this for context so that what I'm trying to say is clear in case I use a word like logistics again. <laughs> I used to be someone who 
like when people would be like triggered i'd be like oh fucking are you triggered i didn't realize i was walking around triggered all the time and like <laughs> so much of what i do is like a triggered reaction uh and then i was just like in fight or flight and would just get angry about things that it's like this really isn't that big of a deal why are you so angry mm-hmm. um and then i started realizing like that I, oh i have like trauma and some of these things that i thought were like everyone has this feeling or like i've had relationships where i'm like they're not saying it but i can sense that like there's a disconnect and they want to leave. And it's like, no, you have abandonment issues and the wind blew, bitch. Like, <laughs> this person has no idea that you're feeling that way and yeah. you're not communicating. But have there been things in your life where you go like, oh, this became my norm because of, like, my grief or my drama? You know, I, th- I think about that all the time. And I sometimes part of me is like, should I chill out and just stop trying to relate it to, to, to my losing my father at a young age and just focus on, if I'm aware of what, I have, I have to improve on. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, th- how important is it to know where it comes from than just working it just out? Just working it out. But then again, maybe that's a double-edged sword because maybe it is important to know the source of it to heal the to source, heal which it. makes sense. But then I, I think I overthink it too much, like you trying to go to sleep laying on your back and just all of a sudden you forgot where you came from. <laughs> but I think I, I think I've struggled with correlating. like intimate, intimate, Intimately with me and my relationships, I feel like I've historically i haven't really like settled down enough i got a couple of like quote unquote long keep saying quote unquote longer relationships and whatnot no, you could say that they weren't that serious they don't listen to my podcast no i mean they, they were i mean the last one susan <laughs> i'm just kidding i don't know anyway. my last relationship was but I, I always try to think if if i was never certain in certain relationships does that relate to i don't know like i lost my dad at a young age and he's a, a, a shade of abandonment even oh though, like that you don't let people close enough yeah maybe i don't know but also i think i'm just I don't know. It's my indecisiveness. I'm way more decisive when it comes to like big decisions and whatnot. I think I can make it. I make decisions, but I think for a while I was indecisive in many ways. So I, then I'm like, but small my- decisions like a life partner. Yeah, small. Exactly. That's <laughs> what I mean. Like my big decision, like what do I eat tonight? That is two different things. <laughs> but I think you know, I, I do. I do think about that, but I don't know if I've really made any aha uh-huh correlations. I haven't spoke to anyone professionally or anything like that. But I do think about that. But it always stems the same thing to like 9-11, 9-11, when there's so many other factions in my life where I've had certain experiences that could have been from that when I was six. It has nothing to do with it. So I, tr- I try to think about that, but then sometimes I just try to focus on whatever the heck I'm, I need to work out and just yeah. try to hammer that down even if I don't attach a story to it. Yeah, which I think is a good thing. I think maybe a lot of people don't do this, but I think it's what uh, the root of many people's anxiety is like obsessing over the why. And it's like... Mm. You don't always need the answer. Just like, oh, this is the thing. Yeah, I heard something recently. I, I've heard it from a couple of different people I've been listening to and one of my guests, uh, Saadi Simone. And he he mentioned something along the lines of not attaching a story to your feelings, not attaching a name or a title to your feelings. And I've heard this through multiple people. I was listening to like Alan Watts recently who kind of talks about the process of if you feel an emotion – and I, it kind of works for me when I'm still like kind of finding pockets as of recently, is when you feel an emotion – just try it out. Try not to attach a story to it. Try not to say this is because of that. Try not to even identify it as anger. Try not to identify as this or whatever the feeling is or where you might think it came from or even if you know where it came from. Literally just allow yourself to sit in that emotion and feel that emotion as a feeling. As like how it's physically manifesting in your body. How it's physically it's- manifesting in your body and just that's it. And just take it there and allow yourself to feel that. And I feel like it might naturally kind of deflate even in that moment. But I th- my thought is I think if you do that enough – you're kind of like slowly deflating the balloon little by little. Oh, yeah. 
You know what I mean? So I kind of like that idea of not because it, it gets really complicated when you're just like, oh my god, I feel angry because so and so did this to me. Oh my god, that guy cut me up. You, you spiral into these thoughts, and that kind of distracts from the purpose of soothing yourself in some weird way. So I think that process of allowing yourself to feel it, as cliche as that sounds, and not put a title to it, not identify it, or attach a story, is a good way of just allowing your body to process the feeling oh, yeah. as it should. Yeah, that's like a. That's a big thing in Vipassana meditation of just like observing what comes up. You're the observer. Yeah, yeah. And it upset, but it's and my my theory with that is, which I may be paraphrasing, is I feel like it as the observer. So if you're an observer looking observing anything, you're separate from that, right? Yeah. So if you observe your emotions, you're separate from your emotions. So if you deduce from there saying I'm separate from my emotions, my emotions are not me. Therefore, that I can't identify as that emotion. That's just something I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And that separation passing. is is important is real. Yeah. And then you just like let it pass through, which but it's it's fun to say in a sentence like that as if as if I'm so good. And then you just let it pass as if I don't regularly. Much easier spiral. said than done. Much easier said than done. This for sure. is I I mean I'll have this like this anxiety thought creep in. This is such a side tangent, but whatever. Uh, in moments where I'll have like a heavy emotion and I'll actively go, like don't try to create a story here because my I fucking my hormones are all over the map and I'll like if depending on the time of the month, literally. I'll cry at nothing. It just, I'll hear a noise and be like, oh. <laughs> so, but I love to be like, no, it's something deeper. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's, if that's a, de- uh, def- like, I think it's maybe it's twofold. Like you try to identify to something, obviously to find the source and this and that. And I wonder if we're so forced to attach it to something because then that kind of makes it feel like it's not our fault. Yeah. That you have like a, yeah. Like if that gives people a sense of control of, or yeah. Deflecting of the blame of, well, because this happened and this happened, of course I'm sad. It couldn't possibly be that my body just needs to release. We have an obsession with needing to know. Yeah, no, why, why, why? Is why, why, why? If you don't know, it's like, it's fear-based and all that shit. Oh, yeah. It's well, scary not to know, but it's nice. It's freedom not to care. So yeah, it's like letting go of, even if this is because someone did something to me, fucking, it's, knowing that isn't going to stop me feeling this way anyway, so let me just feel this way. Mm. But then I'm so neurotic that when I have those, like, don't attach a story, then my, like, immediate next thought is, like, yeah, but are you letting someone get away with something? Because you're not attaching a story. You're just going to ignore the fact that somebody's hurting you. You can't just sweep things under the rug. And I'm a crazy person. Um, (laughs) Glad you said that. That was my next line. But uh, other than that, (laughs) it's it's the annoying roommate. It's the annoying roommate in our head. But I think when we start start thinking, wasn't mine, it was from a book I read. (laughs) Um, Look at him reading. Untethered, actually. (gasps) Very redundant book, but it has some little gold pieces in there. But... I think it's like that annoying roommate. Think about it. if you have an, a roommate that just speaks nonsense constantly, like you're just going to listen to what you're doing. You're going to block him out. You're going to kick him out. You're going to put him in the other room. You're going to go to your room. And that's kind of like the voice in our head. It's this annoying roommate. We constantly just say shit. And mo- a lot of times, most, I, I truly believe, even though I think I have great ideas sometimes, the thoughts that we say we constantly, at a constant basis where we have 50, 60, 70,000 thoughts a day, it's all of it is mostly bullshit. It's nonsense. And it's l- usually not true. It's, again, it's creating these stories, having to find an answer. And these stories are usually just fucking Stephen King novels that don't re- that aren't real. Yeah. Just, yeah, no. My The web that my... Thinking about it right now. Yeah? Okay, wait. We're going to take a break, and then I want to think about... I want to talk about what you're thinking about. Okay. <laughs> and we're back. And we're weaving a web of lies here on Ignorance is Bliss. Would you even call that a break? <laughs> Yeah, it's what we'll get. The, well, the th- I was gonna stand up and stretch. Oh, you want to stretch? We're gonna no, take no, another no, break right no, now. We're taking a break. Stand up and stretch. Right do you now. need more water? Do you need to use the restroom? I feel good. I like to power through, and that was rude of me to not. It's that wasn't rude. Yeah. You, well, first of all, you're conscious about the 
faux break we just took, but in the top of the episode, you asked me saying, and you stated that I thought 9-11 was a hoax. We cut that out, <laughs> and I never said that. Editor, can we cut this out, Elliot? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I don't want to be rude, but your life is a lie. Uh, okay. Fuck, I forgot what we were even going to get back into. We're but, talking about the annoying roommate. I don't know if that helps. Yeah. Uh, that is my roommate's roommate for her. Um, roommate's roommate for her. From I'm the annoying roommate. Uh, <laughs> that's a great metaphor because I think... I remember years ago before I did any type of meditation, my friend Dana Moon, a favorite guest of the show. That's a real um, name. That's a real name. Stage name? That's a real name. How'd that happen? Moon. I don't know. She's like 0.1% Native American. I have no idea. I just watched Killers of the Flower Moon. How Sorry. is it? Long. Really great story, but really long. But it was about the, mo- the moons. The moons? Or like Native Americans. Oh. Anyway. Dana. Well, I just, she's been like addicted to self help books forever, just constant working on herself, that kind of thing. And I became that at some point, but I definitely wasn't when we first started hanging out. And I remember her saying, like, oh, well, you're, you know, you, you can just observe your thoughts and they're not a part of who you are. And I thought that was the most psychotic thing I'd ever heard. I was very much like a, what who's it Descartes I don't know I think therefore I am just I was like what do you mean I'm not my what the like I was like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard so for anyone listening thinking that I get it but but just to reiterate what we're saying is that like they pass through your brain it's also like there's evidence in the fact that like everyone's thought of like an inappropriate joke maybe not everyone uh or like had a thought of but what does this mean and it doesn't change your fundamental opinion on something but sometimes you go but what about this yeah even if you don't buy into the idea of separating your thoughts i think a a good step for me is a lot of the time my thoughts just are not right yeah oh most of the time i think think about how many bad ideas how many wrong decisions you made how many stupid ideas you've had like are all your ideas right and if you think all your ideas right that's a whole other rabbit hole of shit you got to figure out that's yeah that you're in a dark place (laughs) so you think about like that if if i'm not constantly right then why do I have to be right about how I think about myself? Yeah, if I've been wrong about other things, why isn't there a possibility that I could be wrong about how I'm feeling about yeah, it's a possibility. Thing? Yeah, it's like entertain the idea. Yeah, you could be right. Yeah, you could actually be a piece of shit. Yeah, you could be very depressed. That's what people don't say about depression is actually maybe you are just a huge piece of shit that nobody... <laughs> just kidding. That's how I feel can about... Can we cut that out, Elliot? That's <laughs> how I feel about horoscopes when people say, oh, you're such a Libra. I'm like, maybe you're just a bitch. You are a Libra, aren't you? I'm Pisces. <sighs> what, do, what does that mean? Do you cry all the time? All the time. You have a death podcast. Honestly, it makes sense as a Pisces. And look, don't come for me, skeptics who are like, here we go, another woman and her astrology. I think most people come to astrology not out of being illogical. I think it's extremely logical people who have terrible things happen and they're doing the why, why, why and grasping at straws for some explanation. Mm. And they go, oh, well, I have a, my Mercury's in cancer. Of course my family died. <laughs> Finally. An answer. Yeah, I, I think so. And once again, I think it's maybe that goes back to maybe it's real. I have no idea, but I think it also helps people feel s- some kind of solace. And I have an answer. I can at least I have an answer regardless. If it's yeah, I guess it's like religion in that way, where it's like it's nice to have a thing that you can. I don't want to say blame. I think it's alright to say Hope. I don't know too. Just I don't know. I know, but people are so afraid to do that. It's well, that's the whole reason I started this podcast is to be like 
hey, a lot of us don't know shit about shit, so let's fucking talk about it instead of being like, yeah, I get it, man. And in your head, you're like, I don't get it. (laughs) I don't know what he's talking about with them thoughts and them. Okay, well, (laughs) he's got all these thoughts and they're separate from his head and it don't make no damn sense to me. (laughs) Separate from his head? You say separate from his head? Okay. (laughs) But, well, what what I want to talk about is because when did you, so you have a podcast and the whole thing is about death. Yeah, I mean, it's called De- Dead Talks for anyone that doesn't know. Yes, um, and it w- it's plugged in the show notes uh, or in the YouTube description, wherever, if you're watching, if you're listening. You know, I was talking to my team about about just, you know, improving the show, this or that, and some of the things that came up were, it's like really narrowing down what the podcast is about, but I'm like, the podcast is about death. Do you need to get more narrow? Well, I mean, I, I see where I see where they're coming from. They're coming now within the conversation because my, my conversations are all over the place. Like, it's definitely heavy grief focus, a lot of grief stories and who you've lost, but I've had near-death experiences on. I'm having someone on tonight to talk about he's a relationship expert, and we're just talking about loss in relationship in standards. Like, like so it's an exploratory conversation about the grief, death of a partner. lost, there's different types of loss. But this is the first time I'm kind of tapping into relationships. So he's been heavy on d- biological death. Mm. But it's, it's it's a podcast that normalizes the conversation about death, which I just think is important because people don't talk about it. People talk about it, but it's like the most common thing in the world. Yeah, and people are so uncomfortable to like talk to someone about their loss or about the own their loss that they've experienced, like their own loss. Sorry. Why? Saying I, sorry. Because I went their loss or their loss. Oh. I I don't know why. I'm sorry all the time. I'm is a, that a gender thing or a grammatical question? It, I just meant like, like people are uncomfortable to talk to other people about someone they've lost, but mm-hmm. they're also uncomfortable talking about their own losses. Yeah, for sure. And is just that, the ide- and just the ideation of death. It's like a lot of my audience, I think, have experienced loss. But I would love to tap into an audience because we're talking. I have the conversations are a lot like how we're talking. We're just chopping it up. Yeah, and so it may seem morbid, but it's just a conversation about what's going to happen to you, and, and and but it also the conversation of death is a conversation about life because the the ways people persevere through loss and stuff that even you've experienced that we talked about in our episode can be applied to so many different avenues of life because it's trauma, yeah, and just fucking bullet and just shit that we go through and makes us sad and how you work through that is applicable, yeah, not apples to apples, <clears throat> but I miss I'm, we were at the bar a couple of weeks ago real quick, and we started talking and the, uh, this girl and her friend and my babes somehow babes it's the worst yeah you guys and, like um, death <laughs> wait can I change it to just a guy now just so we don't have to go there sorry I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, and so anyway it was just it was just funny because my she asked what I do and I mentioned the podcast she's like what's it about I'm like death this is a loud bar I wasn't gonna go into a big thing and she's like her whole expression she's like oh and I was like I try to explain it's not, it's not like this or that and then my buddy Alex who's a, a very really solid and reputable podcast producer he focused on true crime podcast he explained what he did and oh, i have this true crime podcast coming out he's like no way that's so interesting and also like, about death also about, but it's like that's murder and psychopaths which is like mine's kind of healing i think in a little way but the interest level which makes sense about the conversation that's like fa- the idea of the true crime which i get it like i'm into that in some capacities I but it's just it. such a it was just so interesting. We just started dying laughing. I'm like, I'm ta- I, I didn't talk about grief for a long. I was like, just about death. She's like, oh my God. But then he talks about true crime and she just went all over Lights her to LA up. on us. Dude, the fucking true crime people, because the amount of women I know who are my friends that like fall asleep to just like, and then after he hacked up his fourth victim and it's like, <laughs> mm, like what? You know what? I think happened to you. I wonder if it's because it makes it feel 
more fantastical in a sense that, like, again, my ex had a situation, not a situation, we were lying in bed trying to figure out what to watch, and I put on a documentary, again, before bed, like a silly man, about the Boston bombing, and then as we're watching it, which is very heavy, obviously, and she was like, oh, God, can we change? Like, that's fair. And then as we were changing it, we changed it to a true crime documentary. It was like Ted Bundy or something. I'm like, how is what? this? Like, this is, this is terrifying and not good either but it was just there's like some kind of psychological difference there yeah i don't know what it is i think because i've had friends involved in true crime scenarios that i go like this is not entertaining to me i don't know why you enjoy this stuff like it's just so funny to me and also that reaction is like what did she think did she suddenly picture you as like a gothic man who's like I just love dead things. I, like that's, I don't know. Yeah, I, well, I mean, it just know. speaks to your point of why you want to talk about it because people are so. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's interesting. You just just share, people sharing stories, and and it, again, it's it's heavy on the grief. But I've had biologists, I have comedians on like you, so it's a, it's just a down to earth conversation. And uh, we all know someone who's grieving for the most part, just lost someone, or you're going to go through it. So it's just normalizing the conversation, talking about it from a non expertise position, just chopping it up. Yeah, being sometimes there's experts. Yeah. Yeah, you have, like, different types of experts. Like, well, I want to back up. Before the podcast, did you just, were you just organically having these conversations anyways? Were you shoehorning in death talks? (laughs) Yeah, are you, like, so are you, because of your exposure to close loss at a young age, were you someone who, like, did that fundamentally change immediately your relationship with how you talk about death? Or was it, like, a longer? Uh, It's tough for me to answer that question because I I feel like it happened, I I made that realization as i got older maybe my teens i always felt like i was going to talk about it but i didn't know how and then eventually maybe it was because i was someone who didn't open up for my mom and then now i have a podcast about it so i'm cool talking about it so i think it was correlation to my own journey of just oh this is you know this is kind of important to talk about or even not talk about i don't know it's it's interesting to talk to people that don't want to talk about it maybe that's the right path i have no idea what the right path is me personally i'm leaning towards it's good to literally just get it out or hear other people's experiences and correlate to them and relate to them you're not gonna you're not gonna relate to everyone but i think you can relate a little bit to everyone and maybe some people more than others and what better way than to hear them talk about it yeah capiche capiche okay you don't have to name names obviously but on that note have you ever had a guest that you're interviewing but if it's me you can name my name uh that you were like this is the most insane reaction to a death I feel like you're like i don't relate to this at all this is crazy no no i i, I mean i i know because so, someone's got to be wondering that if they're listening right now like how i react and this is just how they're reacting is crazy to me yeah like have you ever interviewed someone and been like i don't no one grieves like that what uh you, I'll, I'll, like I'll, and then i covered myself in chicken feathers and <laughs> i went out into the wind like father would have loved i cut out two holes in my baloney and threw it on my nose <laughs> i uh no i think um I'll, I'll tell you his name because he's awesome. I, so I had Craig Shoemaker on. Uh, another, the love master. Yeah, yeah. He was, it was such a fun episode. That guy is fantastic. I had such a good time with him. And uh, he's had some wild-ass, like very traumatic, wild-ass. He was talking about like, kidnapping and cult leaders in his family and stuff like that. And he was just so – it wasn't like – it was just interesting to me because he was so accepting of it. I think he's just worked a lot of it out. And now he's turning his own – trauma and comedy into healing in many yeah. ways like through laughter and whatnot so it was fascinating but he the way he was speaking about it definitely got a reaction out of my audience like i saw in the comment section like how like this poor man is dying inside how is he just this or that? like no this is just it's he's been through it he's been many years he's handled this shit i'm sure i'm sure maybe he's still got stuff to work out you gotta ask him but i think me watching it i was like impressed with his reaction because I, I relate to that idea of 
leaning on laughter and just being so objective about it. Yeah. So to me, it wasn't bizarre, but it was also it was fascinating because he's been through some shit. But the way he handled to me was just so amazing, and I and I, I saw a lot of those reactions in the comment section. Like, what the hell is this guy laughing about kidnapping and pedophilia and? Cults and stuff like that, which I get. I'm so fucked I, up. There you go. It's so like God, you just yeah. such a laundry list in one episode. But yeah, the way he handled it was pretty pretty wild because he, he was so relatively cool, calm, and collected, and just turned it into something brighter. Yeah, yeah. That I guess that is like people who have trouble, like if they're really heavily burdened by their own grief or just like a topic. And there's certain topics that are so heavy to people that it, they find it shocking that anyone could make a joke about. Mm. But then I will say, not him specifically, I, I've never met Craig, but I, he seems like a great guy. There have been every once in a while comedians, and they're not doing anything about death. But there's a certain level of positivity and high energy that comes out of comedians every once in a while. Like a, there's a handful of comedians I've seen through the years, and none of them are like names, like name names that people would recognize. Where you're like that person is hurting, <laughs> and they're like the most like, yeah, I'm so happy to be here, and you're like you cry at night. I feel like you can tell, right? I mean, especially on stage, especially you as a professional comic, you probably you see it more than anyone, but I feel like you can tell. Yeah, that you're like, oh, you need this to go well. This is yeah. you are holding on by a thread, and, and you see that in real life too. People talk about things. I think if you're intuitive enough, which some people just aren't. I'm not saying I'm, I'm but I, I you can probably I, are. I think I am. If you've managed to continue having a podcast about death, I feel like it's at a certain point people will be like, hey, I don't want to watch this anymore. This guy creeps me out. Yeah. If you were just <laughs> not at all empathetic, and you're just like, so 9-11 was a hoax, right? Yeah, just, just, just go. No. Just, just next question. Elliot? Okay. Um, do you find that, like, is a certain level of interviewing people about this topic, do you find it healing? I was asked this question recently. For me, what I've noticed, and I think I stand by this answer, <laughs> is it's been healing for me in my current life, meaning like what's happening concurrently, like shit I'm going through now, which does might not relate to grief, which goes back to why I think these conversations are interesting because it can relate to not, if you're, maybe you haven't someone that lost someone, like oh, this podcast isn't for me, probably not, but also if you're going through some stuff, even if it's a relationship or there's different facets of loss. Yeah, there's different levels. And I think, the coping mechanisms are relatively similar that I'm learning from my guests that when they bring something up, it triggers me as to something I'm dealing with now. And I've been able to use their experiences or mythologies to help me currently. So now, but then also there's, there's moments where I kind of relate back to, Oh, maybe that's what I was going through with my loss. So yes, they're hundred percent be healing for me. Short answer. But surprisingly it's, I feel like these conversations through learning from people has helped me in my life right now that has nothing to do with my dad. But like the trauma. It's just like day to day or like some current situation. Yeah. Like I, sh- I just had Indian food. My stomach hurts now. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> That's it. You're like, oh, yes. Diarrhea. <laughs> Speaking of dying. <laughs> diarrhea. That should be the sub channel. Diarrhea. That, oh, that'd be mm, great. Mm. Yeah, and it's just all interviews about people who uh, were so affected by their grief that they kept having. Dude, I had, no, that's what, I've tried to make a joke about it in my act, and it's real 50-50, but I, I've i been saying that the thing that nobody tells you about real grief is that you're going to cry out of every hole. Because, <laughs> man, when Sorry. I'm sad, I'm fucking sad out of my butt, too. <laughs> 
not laughing at just the words there. Uh, you can laugh, but no, it's but that makes. Fine. I mean, there is a. We've talked about it a million times. There's a physical. Obviously, there's a mental reaction, but there's a real physical reaction. I mean, that makes sense if you're anxious, nervous. Like that happens to me all the time. Yeah, that's true. It's like it doesn't have to be a big tragedy. It's like I'm waiting on a piece of mail. Yeah, exactly. oh, I hate mail now. I used to love mail as a kid. Dude, yeah, me too. What a dork. That you like there's a highlights magazine here. I have no friends. I can't wait to see what Goose and Gallon are up to. <laughs> um, and now it's just like, oh, hello, Bill. Oh, hello, Mail. That's for someone who hasn't lived here in eight years and keeps coming. That's uh, what she said. Hello. Sorry. Okay. Uh, you've had on guests who talk about, uh, I'm sure, share their belief or understanding of what happens after you die. I listened to an episode of a guy who talked about that's really the hat you're wearing. That's yeah. is that your your hat? Yes. Not dead yet. I love that. Thanks. That's a great. That's great merch. Thanks. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. That's a great hat. Fuck. I have a stupid mug that no one's ever gotten. <laughs> you you can't a, get this anywhere. You made a sign that you don't even show to your audience. You guys, I'm showing you the sign now. That's always in the background, but cut off. It's still not in the shot. Anyway. It's actually hard. To, oh, okay. I was reading it from top lines, but I thought I said ignorant black. Yeah, you know, I ran out of room. <laughs> I really genuinely had trouble reading that for a second, even though I know the name of your podcast. It's okay. No one cares. <laughs> it looks like a, like a ransom note that the Riddler created. Thank you. <laughs> I was really proud of it. Only, he's, right re- only he's really woke and just put blessed at the end of his ransom. Blessed. I know. Everyone, like, someone told me, one person said that it sounds like it's a religious podcast. And I'm like, well, it's not. But I guess it could be. Uh, if you want to send money for God to my home address. Um, Is there spirituality? What was your question? Yeah. Well, what were we <laughs> saying? Okay. I think I ruined that. What do you think happens? What is What is your understanding with what happens when people die? Or do you have a... I have thoughts, I, I, but I'm, I like to preface with I have literally no idea, obviously. But uh, Well, why are you even here then? I wanted uh, answers. Because I'm not dead yet. Ooh. Hello. You can get the hat at deadtalkstalk.com. Dot net, actually. Dot net. <sighs> That's a problem. I, I, I tried Who's bu- at deadtalks.com? I don't know, but this dude, I think I, I paid like 75 bucks for like, go, like, go broker it for me, and the guy wanted like, that was like $10,000, some kind of thousands of dollars. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my roommate's coming home. Sorry. Is, Pause. This, is this Moon? Yeah. Oh. Hi. Hi. It's Ariana. You're late. This is David. How are you? Good, how are you? Nice to meet you. We're just it's okay. It's a living room podcast. This happens. Is that a All Celsius? Right. Yeah. I have Celsius in the fridge if you need it. You Do you want a Celsius? Uh I haven't eaten anything. Might be a problem. maybe uh what flavor? Grape? Uh, there's grape. I have Arctic right? ice, I have peach, and I have tropical something. Whatever you got. Will you surprise us? This podcast <laughs> is brought to you by. Thank you so much. Nobody. Celsius. Ariana. That's a bad idea. I think. Whoa. I believe in you. Bye. Nice Wait, to meet you. Wait, are you leaving? Oh, I thought you. I was like. <laughs> That'd actually be hilarious if you did take off your shoes and go Just outside. Just Mr. Rogers down to the house. That's fine. Just start stomping. It's good. Bye. Um, <laughs> it's you got to move it around. You got to read. They they settle. They lose their shape. There actually yeah. was a funny commercial. Was that like Allstate all or something? What are your roommates doing? Are they rolling bowling balls up there and they're literally like rolling things around? That's. So your question was, what do I believe happens after yeah, we do die? Do you have a, a thought of what you think happens? I have general thoughts as, but not specific ideas. If that makes sense. That makes Some specific sense. theories though. 
So, um, <laughs> I think we, yes, I do. I think we continue on as energy as we are. My big question is like, okay, is there consciousness? Are we just, are we energy and can creatively think? Yeah, are we aware that we're energy? That, I don't know. Um, I think there's some form of that. Yeah, I, I feel like, so I related to, so I did DMT a while back in 2016. <gasps> I've never done it. The day we were supposed to be voting for a president, I was smoking DMT. Um, Honestly, so, so I take the blame for Trump. That's clearly what I'm saying. It is exclusively your fault and no one else's. Well, if they hear the rest of the story, they may feel differently. But <laughs> so I was I was on my DM. This is all going to come back to each other. I, when I got into that zone, the DMT, there was a play. I didn't like break through, quote unquote, and get to like the next, next level. But I was in this place where I felt like all my questions were answered. It was just like a knowingness. Everything was totally fine. I felt great. I was happy. Nothing was bothering me. It was just a, a peaceful knowingness, like kind of like a mid-level comedy. And I feel like that related to what may happen. I don't know what activities we're going to be doing up there, but the idea that all our, we're going to have all the answers, even if we have no questions, or if you have all questions, you're going to have all the answers. Just a knowingness, a peacefulness, a utopia of just all is good. Like literally everything's nothing. Great. Ma- everything's great. So I think we do continue on, except by definition, I think, I've gotten trash like this online, but by definition, if we are energy, and that Albert Einstein dude said if energy cannot be created nor destroyed and we are by definition energy, then we're continuing on. And I think, yeah, we are these bodies, but we're not. And so I think there is more after this. I just don't know what that means. I'm kind of buying into reincarnation a lot more. Past lives. Have you had a past life person on your podcast yet? Uh, we've spoke about it, but I wouldn't say someone who's super, super, like, that's their focus. Have you ever read um, anything by Brian Weiss or Michael Newton? No, should I? Sounds like you have. Dude, I'm fucking horny for past lives. Ooh. Regress me, daddy. How do you bring That's... that? How do you bring that into the bedroom? I've tried, and you can't. Okay. <laughs> Tell me who you Hypnotize were. Hypnotize me. Yeah. Um, I and I've I've gone to like I go I love a psychic. I love I went to a woman who talks to your spirit circle last year, uh, and I don't fucking look at me like that, Elliot. You you have a you have um a group of you have spirit guides. I'm more into a spirit rhombus. Yeah, um, it's, it's <laughs> honestly, Siri. Siri's like, "Fuck your spirit circle." <laughs> I'm all you have. It's a Siri circle. So, so what's the deal with past life? I understand the ideation, but what does that go in? Okay, so Michael Newton is this therapist who, uh, I think, actually both him and Brian Weiss started as regular psychotherapists who got into hypnotherapy and started regressing people back in their life. Like, so I first read, I've read like all of Brian Weiss's books uh, and he just has a ton of stuff on past lives, but he accidentally got into past life regression. You know, that's it. Maybe that's just his big PR vehicle or whatever, but like he would regress people back to, you know, their youth to like remember something and that would be the root of their trauma. And then they'd understand like why they were having this reaction and it helped heal them. And then he accidentally uh, go back a little further, go back a little further and like at first had this person start like recalling a different life and it was a different time. And then he just started doing more of that. And, um, is it provable? I don't, I don't know how much is provable. There is. Or anecdotes that implied the truth. Yeah. Well, it's, there's enough. Um, I want to say like he's had enough patience that it's like a heavy amount of, it's crazy that the types of experiences people have had. And he's had people, in who regressed to similar time periods explaining people and he in one book he's he said in one once in his career he he reunited past soulmates because 
because because he became known for doing this so people would come to him and go i want to have this done and he had one woman recount a story and like this is this person here and then another patient separately recounted a story and it was the same story from two opposite like they knew each other and so he was like you know with your permission i have another you know and he brought these people together and they've been married forever but this other guy and not to just jump up because it's crazy i could talk about this forever this other guy michael newton was doing a similar thing but then at some point he would like he regressed someone back into a past life and then kept going with like from the moment of their death and he basically was able to get them to while they're under hypnosis, talk about their experience of what happened after they died. So his whole quote expertise, and he has two books on it, Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls, is these piles and piles of interviews of people talking about the in-between of lives. Wow. And that experience. And when he would do that with more people, the kind of experience of what happens and where you go, it was all, it was very similar. And like people like would explain similar things and how you go back to like a soul group and there's different levels of souls and like souls, younger souls emanate a different color. And then at a certain point, there's a, like there's m- like there's only certain amounts of like y- there's more younger souls here incarnating because you cut co- you according to him incarnate to like learn lessons and then he's like you see less of the like i think they're like purple like that is a certain level where you stop coming back and you become like either a teacher or you're doing he's like it's it, it's hard to know what yeah, there's so many questions there because i wonder if you do reincarnate do you only reincarnate forward meaning in time in our time construct or do you, can you reincarnate again like I'm me today, then maybe my next life I'm someone back That's in the what, past. Yeah, you know what it that is confusing because they they're never clear about it. But I guess the way I interpreted it, it's maybe because of my own like human linear timeline brain of like yeah, it hard. seemed like it was always because he also talked about how there's been other planets that people incarnate on, and then like ooh, so cur- I I think maybe maybe it could be that this you know. Like time doesn't stop existing, and Earth will continue to move forward, and you'll just come back in the iteration it is. Is was my understanding. Well, what you said it was very planets unlo- have been destroyed, and you can't go there and incarnate anymore. It's like a Kurt Vonnegut novel. So the uh, I love Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he's like he's my favorite author. Anyway, um, well, I, so I had this guest on, and she she's had several near death experiences. She says she's a medium, whatever you believe, whatever, and um. I, with her near-death experience, I asked her one specific question that's going to allude to kind of what you were saying. I asked her, how come some people have near-death experiences and some don't? Because a lot of people that have died or the heart stopped, so I didn't, in the comments section, so I haven't seen anything. This is BS. Like This isn't real. She's lying. All I saw was darkness. Her explanation was, which kind of makes sense to me without making no sense at all, she said that people that don't see anything are young, are young souls like youthful soul ages. So not biological age, like they're young souls, meaning um, they haven't been around very long. And then there's old souls that will have a near-death experience because they're, they've are they seen enough and witnessed enough, more or less, I could be butchering this, to see the other side, whatever that means, and experience the magnitude. They're allowed to, ha- it's like you're allowed to see it and remember it. Yes, because they have the capacity to understand the purpose, kind of what you were saying, what she said is we're here to learn yeah. and we're here to transcend. And that's why we keep coming back is to learn certain experiences and keep upping ourselves and getting to a certain point where maybe we've done it enough, which questions me is, okay, but well, once we do transcend, what's after that? But it was interesting because she said older souls 
we have the choice to come back. So like when she went to this other side, it wasn't like, you got to go back. You got to go back. It was, you have the choice to come back. And she had the cognitive, if you want to call it cognitive, the thought to say, I still have things to take care of. I still have things to learn. So she came back. Cause if you're a young soul, it's like a moth to the flame. Like it's so magnificent over there that you would just, you wouldn't come you back. You wouldn't come back. So they prevent you from stay, whatever that means when you don't see anything. Cause you have to come back. You have, you still have a lot of shit to learn. Yeah. You're and like, so, and, yeah. and it kind of like the way that I makes sense to me. It does because, and but she's also she goes dark where it's like you choose this life and you choose you're going to experience it. all the you're going to be a bad person, you're going to be a good person because you choose. Oh, that. you know ahead of time a lot of the things that are going to happen to you according to this. According guy's to her, thing it's, it's like it's like an iPad. It's like an iPad of like, I get to yeah, choose. Yeah, you see a few. Okay, so he says that you like before you come back. Like he says the people he's hypnotized. You get options. Yes, it's like um, it's like oh, Dave Frugia, that's interesting. Uh, his dad's gonna die in this nine eleven attack. You know, I wonder what that feels like. He's gonna learn how this journey. Let's experience that. And then you trans. Yeah, I guess you learn these lessons, blah blah. blah then maybe you go to the next life, or maybe you're done and you just stay there, which is a whole other question. But I ca- think yeah, I think you become like a higher. But if you, my thought is, this might not make sense. But if you think about the way we live our life, is I think about it, is we're kind of within this microscopic lens of our life, me and you we're kind of trying to transcend, right? We're trying to grow. We're trying to be quote unquote successful. We're trying to do this or that. We're trying to be a better person. So we're kind of trying to grow and transcend within this one life that we think we have. Yeah. So just extrapolate that to multiple lives. And we're constantly trying to like upgrade our soul in some way, if that's real. So we're constantly already doing that in this one life. So I just like extrapolate that. Maybe there's just a bigger transcendence that we're doing. We're just not aware of it. Maybe. Yeah. That's so funny. Cause the thing you said about, uh, young soul, like it's. I wonder how much, uh, like how rapidly someone can grow in one life beyond what, like, what they would assume or what like a soul, a normal pace of a soul growth is. Because you saying the thing about young souls not being able to see because they wouldn't want to come back, it just made me think about like this is so mushroom dorky whatever. But a couple years ago, I did a, a mushroom trip. And I'm always very like, I like to be spiritual with my mushrooms. And I'm like, what are the Same. answers or what? Like, yeah. It's like, I don't want to fucking, let's do mushrooms and go to a concert. Let's go to 7 Eleven, like, buy a big bag of Doritos. Yeah, it's crazy. Let's watch a movie. Like, I like to be like, I get all channel y and like, yeah. <laughs> but I recently did one. I'm like, well, a couple of years ago, I did one and I had this sort of like feeling like I was connected with the universe. And then as I was coming down, felt very sad of like, very much like, well, I want, I like that. I want that. I miss, I'm missing something like, and I do have a feeling of when I get really high on mushrooms, I will talk to the stars. It sounds insane. If you haven't done mushrooms, like not like not out loud too much probably, but no, just, I, I talk, like I talk out loud. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it is like, Oh, the first time I ever had the, the first time I ever did mushrooms was the first time I had a feeling of, is this what people mean when they go like, it felt like coming home. Like I, like part of me thinks, if there are soul families or whatever, most of mine is gone. (laughs) And I, cause I'll just feel like connected with the thing that I don't feel down here, but it's also this big universal oneness or whatever. But that, that time a couple years ago, I did them. I really had this feeling of why, but I want that. Like, I want that feeling. I, I don't like this. And it was just for like very briefly, maybe a week after it was this weird, like it's, it, Almost being suicidal, but in a weird. Apparently, that's common though. It's like a, it's like a, a hangover. 
almost. Yeah. People have these near-death experiences. Or is that, so quick, quick again, you can veer off this topic if you want, but my mom had an experience like that. So she, last this past July, which I think was after we spoke, we spoke before that. Yeah, and, when uh, I was like, want to come to my birthday? Oh, your mom's dying? Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah, that's literally what happened. So my mom, <laughs> she, she went to cardiac arrest, her heart stopped for like 10 minutes. I flew back. And without getting the nitty gritty of the story, she she's okay now. But which was by as a which weird when the doctors use the word miracle, which is like could you, should you be using that word? Um, but it was you couldn't <clears> say <throat> science prevailed. Yeah, you didn't. You, it was <laughs> Do I hate like a Saint Joseph's Hospital, like oh prayer. Go but ahead. I'm like, oh damn, it was so wild that she survived that even the medical community doesn't want to take credit for it. <laughs> so yeah, wild that they're it was. like this. We didn't think it would happen. Yeah, <laughs> literally. And so she had an experience that you know, and coming from like my mom hasn't had these experiences. I know my mom. She's has. Right head on her shoulders. She's not a lunatic. And uh, just to, I'm vouching for my mom is what I'm saying, mom, if you're listening. Anyway, she had this. Great ex- mom. She had this. She's the best. And she had this experience where she saw or felt her, my dad, uh, her parents and her brother. And she doesn't remember anything from that, from a couple of days before the whole week in the hospital, even when she was cognitive, she doesn't, she, everything, amnesia, like, like very, it was very bad. Even now she doesn't remember that week, which makes sense. Her heart stopped. It was, it was a big traumatic situation. But the only thing she does remember is feeling and seeing my my dad and her her brother and her parents and they both pretty much told her that one part was she said told to her parents and I said mom what do you remember this is after we, she came back home finally I was like asking her she's like oh I, I do remember my parents like following me around they're kind of like being annoying but she was in this whole time when she's in this quote this place she's like I felt happy I was like Everything was fine. I wasn't even thinking about this where the earth or whatever it was. She's just in a good I place. I wasn't worried about how sad you'd be. Was, I just felt good. Literally no thoughts of us. And <laughs> which is interesting to me. It's another conversation we go down. But she said she's like, You got to her parents, like, you guys stay here. I gotta go right now, but I'll be back. But I got things I gotta take care of. That was one. And then two, she said she saw my dad and my mom and no, Your my dad, dad and her brother, her brother my uncle, like, who recently who died like I think last year. Oh, and um sorry. it's okay. And it's not okay, but you know. And they said to her, like, you're, you got to go. Like, it's you're not, not your, essentially you're not. like not your time right now. And she's, and, but she, her response was, she was, I was, I was like, yeah, I know. I'm just kind of like looking around. <laughs> she's like, I know I got to go back, but I'm just kind of like checking this place out. That's like how she felt. It's just, just vibe check straight up and whatever the hell it was. So like she had an experience like that, which is just, again, and so I had someone bring it up, have like a very rational conversation looking at it like that. She's like, you know what? You, you know, your mom's been through a lot and she's lost her husband. She's lost other people. And I think like subconsciously, this is what a friend was telling me. I think because a doubter, which is fine. Yeah. And I like I like these conversations. He was like, I think it's just a subconscious thing. Like, you know, she misses your dad. He's just thinking about your dad, which makes sense. Maybe when we get to that point, it's just our brains tricking us, this or that. But I'm like, my thought is, how come her story and all these stories are, so are, similar. are not just similar, but they're always deceased loved ones? Like, I know my mom, if she was consciously or subconsciously thinking, you she's been thinking there. about me, yeah. my sisters, her nieces. Her yeah, ne- there's like never her- anyone who's not. Yeah, she's thinking about, granted, yeah, she missed my dad, sure, it was 20, X years ago, sure, she's thinking about it, but she's visiting us. It's like, how come all these stories, most of them, statistically, you would think someone's thinking about what's going on in their life now, but it's always deceased loved ones. So just on a statistical basis, I'm like, that's questionable. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is that I just did a mushroom trip. This is not at all the same, but to circle it back to when you were saying like... (laughs) And she, she's like, felt good. I didn't feel any type of sadness. Yeah. I did, I did shrooms like a month ago and I had a feeling of like, just like a whole bliss. Like it, it honestly, I felt like I was, I can't explain it. It felt like a friend sat down next to me for a little while and was trying to have like a really on earth mushrooms 
conversation about like why she's so anxious and stuff. And I was like, uh, oh no. Uh, but I was like, I'm sorry if I'm not making any sense. I'm time traveling. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, like I was just like rapidly, I don't know. I was just in this space of peace. And then what, cause you know, on mushrooms and for those who don't know, it, it's kind of, you go, it's in waves. Like you'll get really high and then kind of be like, oh, okay. Oh, reality. Oh, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> so but I would be in such peace and just knowing of like everyone's everything's great. Everything's good. Every, everyone's going to be okay. Like when they get through whatever they're going to get through, it was just this very peaceful place. And also having moments of like gratitude for the like people in my life, but just like not worried. Yeah. And then I would come down and be kind of like, oh, I feel bad that I like didn't actually think about anyone who's in my life. And like, cause it did feel like this, like dying. I didn't go like, oh, are they going to be okay without me? I just was like, I'm gone. Well, that makes sense too, because I've heard the same thing where it's vague when she, I guess, I forget which, I've had several near death experiences on my episode, but there's a lot of similarities where it's they're in this place and one of them did have a thought about their kids, but they weren't worked. They were like, they were, she was so like, this is, everything's going to be okay that she, she wasn't even worried about her kids. Like, they're, they're going to be at the same place and it's all good. It's literally all good. Yeah, like it all it's makes all sense. And it's so hard to compute. Yeah. And I couldn't even like keep up with my thoughts because I was having almost these like it did feel like it's not like I was having visualizations of like past lives, but I was feeling this like connectivity to people in a deeper way of like, oh, I feel like our souls have known each other longer or whatever. But then I don't know. It's just weird. And I didn't have I only say this to say when it was over, I wasn't having the feeling I had a couple years ago where I was like, I want to be there. I just was like, cool. That was great. I got to like kind of temporarily go there and I know that's, that's there. And this is, and this is the unique experience. Yeah. And that's that it's in- interesting, like to, I don't know the growth for me personally, just like to go like, Oh, I'm not like, <laughs> yeah. I want that. It, scares, it kind of scares me. The idea that we might do, I might have to do another life. You probably only have a couple left. I might actually. I asked the same girls. Like, so she's like, I see soul ages. I'm like, okay, how old am I? And I was like, I always felt like I was an old soul, but maybe I'm just pulling out of my ass. Maybe just I just say that because I was a weird kid. Yeah, because I'm a weird kid in a Pisces. <laughs> and and she looks at me, she's like, you're like a 77. I'm like, oh, so I've been around the block. I mean, how how many so how how old do souls go till? Well, she was well, sorry. That's a bit important fact. She was relating to like if souls were from she, zero, zero, zero. She's like, she, if I had to put it on like a, a scale. scale. It was zero to 100, 100 being the oldest. She gave me a 77 mark. Oh, that's pretty solid. Yeah, I had a psychic tell me once, not to brag. Um, this was the first psychic, first of all, that said I was a warrior in several past lives. A warrior? And she is not the first one who said that. I can see that. It's just so weird. I think that's why I have arthritis now. I'm just riddled from past life injuries. Imagine that was a business, like past life dermatology. Oh, honestly? It might be. I mean, you say that it's L.A. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm going to try to get veterans benefits. <laughs> um, but and she was like, but now you're not a warrior or healer and you use your words. She had no idea what I did. And she's like, but be careful because your words can be weapons. And I was like, whoa. Um, she told me I have like she's like, you are on the path. This is so gross saying out loud. And that's because I. She's like, you're on the path to becoming an ascended master, which is a Ooh. psychotic term. But because then she goes like Buddha, Jesus, Abraham Lincoln. I was like, Abraham Lincoln? That's we just <laughs> we're just giving out uh, upper level citizenship here. Um, but it, uh, effectively, it's someone who then goes on to like watch over higher, like higher level on Earth souls and guide them or whatever. But 
she said, I have one or two more lives. She's like, it just de- wow. it depends on if you finish everything you're supposed to finish. And I'm right. like, all right, no fucking pressure. So I'm like, start the podcast. I don't want to come back to this heap of junk. <laughs> but you imagine, let's just say that's true. You're at the end. Great. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Good luck. That's how I feel. I'm like, I don't know. Well, yeah, because you go like, oh, and it, and it's not like I guess it's not like well I've achieved everything, but I guess in a sense maybe there's only so much you can learn in a human experience on this planet where it's like everything else you can learn can't be done here. Yeah. And I try to keep even if even I go like because I'll go yeah that could be true but I that's where I live my entire life is like on a fence that's gray. I just go like, maybe, but also I see where you're coming from, but I see where they're coming from. Same. It's like, we'll see or, okay, maybe, sure. I don't know. Tell me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, if that's true, I try to like remind myself of that when I feel frustrated by other people who like, and look, I know I lovingly call all of us idiots, but everyone listening and watching knows what I mean. When you, when you're like, this person's a fucking idiot you're just like like stubbornly refusing to even see another perspective the kind of people that just that's just the way it is and it's not always southern people i'm sorry i did that or like just dealing with people in my life like my mom who just is fucking well that's just how it go that's that's just how i feel and people gotta my mom's one of those people that well i'm just mentally ill and that's what you got it's like you're you gotta do, you gotta work on it. <laughs> you just what? Well, I'm an alcoholic. What do you expect? And you're like, fuck. You know that, but you're not. Sometimes ignorance is not blessed. No, it's not, and that's the whole irony of this. Yeah. And bliss, whatever. And we know it's wrong. It's the whole point. And people yep. don't always. They think that I don't know that I'm stupid. Uh, <laughs> that it's intentionally stupid. But when I'm at my like best, which is so rarely. <laughs> But being able to go like, this person doesn't, genuinely just doesn't know any better. Yes. And like trying to have the perspective of like, and even if it's just a nugget for my own sanity, like, they're just a young soul. Yeah. And they just don't understand. And they're fighting things that they don't need to fight. And that's, I can't change them. And I could just hope the best for them (laughs) and give them my thoughts and move on or not. But like, it kind of does help me just like l- not latch on to things that it would otherwise make me angry. Like, oh, I love that. You know? Yeah. Or you're like, oh, may- maybe everyone who thinks war is a good idea is just a really young soul. <laughs> Even if it's not true, that's like, a, it doesn't, it kind of, <laughs> it's let's just, just like a band aid. Let's just assume it, that it is right. I think that, make, that makes sense within that idea. Obviously, it's within any idea that will make sense because it's within that idea. But, it's like some people just, and I'm not saying this is me, but some people just truly just handle things better. Yeah. And it's and it's easy logically, like, oh, well, they gone through this, they had this, these parents, so that's sure. But I think there's just some people that have, this are just different. Yeah. Just different. Yeah, and then. And maybe it's the souls. Yeah, I think maybe. And it's like, I, it's easy to, I guess, maybe take it for granted if you have. Yeah, I think that's something I had to learn because I had some sort of innate resilience Yes. But it's like, do you? Or do you just like, yeah, well, what? Am I just going to kill myself because things were bad? I don't know if I'm resilient if I just stayed alive. But like seeing how like sometimes a really little thing can really take another person out where you're like, you know, the instinct is to go, 
come on. Yeah, I mean, what's the quote? It's like the hardest thing you've ever gone through is the hardest thing you've ever gone through. So it's, you know, it's it's, hard. <laughs> it's easy for one person that's been through a lot, like, what the hell are you doing? But then if that's the worst thing that person, like, a, they always like, the rich kid has no problems. Like, but that might literally be the worst thing that person's ever gone through. So to them, that it is, is. It's the, that's the end of the world. That's it's like a little child going to fit on a toy. As an adult, you're like, it's just a toy. Let it go. But in that moment, that little toddler is freaking out because that is the worst thing they're going through and they react appropriately. Yeah, and because three lifetimes ago, they had everything taken from them. And now you're taking away the toy. <laughs> Think about their past lives. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's just an inch. I could talk about that all day. Um, all right. Well... Do you have any like parting? <laughs> That's not the right words. Um, any last words? In, any your your final rights? Um, any yeah last words on like little nuggets that you find helpful or um, think are worth sharing in terms of like grieving or death in general, dealing with it, accepting it. I just think we have more of a choice than we usually think and with that choice i think it's important to let go of the outcome like i just kind of freestyle that but my thought with that is like <laughs> i had this conversation recently about fear and gratitude and i think those two are are two lines of division when it comes to when you lose someone because i think when you lose someone at a young age or when you lose someone in general your life perspective just gets completely shifted. Yeah. And I think there's many paths you can go on, but the two that I've dumbed it down to is fear and gratitude. And I mean that not in a woo-woo LA way. I mean, for example, like I lost my dad at 12. So maybe for the rest of my life, I'm subconsciously or consciously triggered to think, oh, I could lose someone at any moment. So I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be paranoid. I'm going to live in fear that this can be taken away at any moment. Or on the flip side, I could live in gratefulness and realize what I have now is special and fragile and live a life of gratitude and be grateful for the time I have and live life in that way. So I think there's a very fine line in the way we look at things that happen in our life. And I think it is just a switch of perspective. Much easier said than done, but we do have the choice to look at certain things in a lens that we want and then act within that budget. Yeah, that is like that is, if nothing else, the the one thing you really do always have control of, you know, is how you frame things. And yeah, it takes time. Yeah. It's not, it's like for anyone that's going through shit right now, I, 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 if you're in it, to give it, give yourself some grace. Like don't, yeah. don't be like, oh my God, this, there's this idiot saying this or that. I live like, no, give it time. I just, I, I didn't, my, the towers didn't just fall down. But like, I'm going to choose gratefulness. No, it doesn't work time like that. Time to start journaling. <laughs> time to start dead talks in 12 years. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it's, again, it's much easier said than done, but kind of what you said, it, you, you can either choose to say this is what it is or you can kind of, work at it yeah and it's again it's it's just words but I, I i think we just have more of a choice and a little bit more power than we think we have but it's a balancing act of understanding that we have no power at all sometimes <laughs> yeah. so it's a weird thing to say it's like we have the power but also you kind of got to like let things go and the, the act of letting things go is a weird concept oh letting go is like an art form and it, it is an art form like credit and it's like a like you know, I think I think it's a skill you can start to build, maybe. But I think that letting go like, is what we discussed, and not attaching yourself to it. It's like the the rule of like unattachment. You just don't attach yourself to things, yeah. almost anything. Yeah, which is a wild thing to think about because you're like, yeah, ha ha ha, capitalism. But like, <laughs> no, yeah, it's it, dude. The, a, attachment is such a root of like so much suffering. I know. Right. Cause I feel with attachment comes expectations, and then the expectations, and you know you're gonna get disappointed. Then because you've like 
made part of this fundamentally who you are, especially if it's an outside thing, another person, another something you don't have all the control over, which is everything except yourself. But then knowing that you have that control yourself is like, well, let's focus there. And also, I think it's just giving yourself great. I have no idea. I have no idea. We think we know. We have no idea. So let's just float around. What the fuck? You think you know. You have no idea. This is in TV. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining me. Thank yeah. you for letting me have the most ADD conversation. About- that concludes this week's episode of Ignorance is Blessed. I hope you enjoyed the guest. Do you have follow-up thoughts, follow-up questions? Get in the Facebook group and start a conversation. Ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots on Facebook. You can search for it or find it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash JMS comedy. There you can have a chat about this guest. You can ask about future guests. You, you can suggest future guests. I love it all. Please keep giving suggestions and keep asking questions because the more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots.